0: Enter the world of Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge from the industry's best. Fjord is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barson. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. I'm Joe Barsnus from web and mobile development team Fjorge. And today on our show, we will be talking with Mike Verrett from Verrett & Associates. Welcome to the show, Mike.
1: Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time.
0: Absolutely. All right. So with all the shows, I like to learn a little bit about you first before we dive into a specific topic. So I would love to hear a little bit more about your organization um, and what you're doing for your clients on a high level.
1: Sure. I, um, I am an army of one. As you know, I just gave you a tour. I work in the basement of my home And I leverage what I learned over about 25 years of marketing, advertising, and brand management experience to help businesses talk about themselves the right way to their audience. And what I mean by that is whether it's your website, a networking pitch, um, your LinkedIn profile, even your sales presentation, all of that is 100% important to a business and what they do, the services they offer. Um, the the products that they sell all of that is important to the business But the reality is their audience their consumer or buyer who they talk to only cares about five percent of it and If you know a hundred percent it becomes really hard to find the right five percent so as an, an illustration of this imagine a famous author like Stephen King writes a new book of 400 pages mm-hmm. and it's going to be the next movie, right? It's going to be the next bestseller. But now comes the time to write the blurb, the three paragraphs on the inside cover flap that get people to buy the book. That is what is hard for him simply because he knows every single detail. He knows the characters, how they're feeling. He, he can hear music playing in his head when he's talking about an environment. <laughs> So there's no way he's going to find those three paragraphs. What he does is he gives the book to someone else to read, an outside perspective, who's thinking from the book buyer's perspective, what do they need to know to buy the book? And that person extracts those three paragraphs for Stephen King got it is effectively what I do for businesses. They focus a hundred percent on what they see as important. And if you think about it from the business perspective, they start out with the question, what problem do I solve for my audience?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the way that they answer it is to build the service and benefit or the product and benefit of that product. Yep. Now, Obviously, and intuitively, the first thing that business wants to do is go out and tell everybody they have that product. But if everybody is running out saying we have what you need, you start to look the same in the eyes of the audience. (laughs) Sure. And What they're missing is the fact that every audience audience needs to be connected to that, why it's important to them. You need to get their attention first in a way that's going to be all right everybody else is doing this if they see five things and then a sixth one looks completely different than the first five that look similar they remember the sixth one so how do you get their attention relate to their problem and offer a solution in above the fold on your website if you can be that direct with it they don't even have to scroll on your website and you have their attention You've aligned with what they're going through and offered them a Mm -hmm. solution, they're going to read down. That's the mind of a human being and how they process information. So I show businesses how to talk to those people, give them clarity on one way to talk about what they do. And then that becomes if it's their website, their networking pitch, their LinkedIn profile, it's always the same story.
0: I love it. I I have I have one. Quick question for you. Have you ever written a three-paragraph blurb for a a book?
1: Um, I have not. However, the approach would not be unlike what um, if someone asked me to write it for a business. So I think that's where I see the similarity. But no, I've never been asked to read a book and write the blurb.
0: I was just curious. I mean, it's just a fun question to ask. I assume the answer was no, but uh, just uh, curious if it was like, uh, maybe those, that group of people gets together every Friday night and talks about how to simplify things. So maybe um, I'll I'll change my title to business blurbist. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Um, So, uh, you know, one other question I have kind of about just like general about how you got to where you are, like a lot of times myself and others have curiosity about like, you're probably working for organizations over your 25 years. Like what made you like go, I'm, I think I have something here. I'm going to take it on my own or start a small business. Like what, what was that decision point? Were you frustrated? Like what was the situation and, and, and how did it go?
1: so my so my career um was always in the marketing and advertising agency world in client services okay so my job was a lot of people think of it as note passing almost you manage the client and communicate what they need to creative creative does it you communicate it back is like within the industry is almost a not a stigma but that's the joke about client service and from my perspective I could talk to anybody. It didn't matter if it was the client, if it was creative, if it was on set at a commercial shoot, I could talk to, I could talk production. I had a knack for just being able to adapt to what I needed to communicate in terms of who I was talking about too. Okay. So that was what I always did. And then my last assignment was on site at Hasbro toys and games, which is located in Rhode Island. And, I was there for five years as their account director, and then the organization hired me. So there was this weird transition point where I'm, of course, not sure why they hired me, but there was this weird transition point where I went from working in this world of advertising where I know exactly what I'm doing and being infused into a Fortune 500 company that's just full of master's degree grads or holders, I should say, who would eat their young to get ahead in business. It's a completely different culture on that side than it is on the agency side. And here I am with 20 years, that's what I knew how to do. So I found myself struggling a lot of the time because it was stuff I wasn't familiar with. For instance, product management is the same uh, if you're making trash bin liners and Colgate toothpaste as it is if you're making Optimus Prime toys. It's a process, it's a system, a manufacturing process uh, philosophy and science. I have no interest in any of that, but that was my role in a lot of cases was senior product manager or whatever my title was. Then they moved me on to Hasbro games and initially it was the same, but what they realized was I was far more effective for the the games organization. If they put me on a plane and sent me places to talk about Hasbro games. So 30% of the year, my job was get on a plane and go to hong kong toy fair or germany for this or mumbai for an internal branding summit all of these things where my job was the face of hasbro games to our buyers internal teams and even in some cases consumers sure so that for three years is what i did then but i was still remember i was miserable this was like a (gasps) seven-year master's degree that i earned through being (laughs) miserable at work and Now, October 18 rolls around, the stock is down, so they do a 10% workforce reduction, which is the people who are disposable and make more money, they'll bring in younger people to do it for less money. It happens every two years at Mm -hmm. big organizations sometimes. Hasbro, often enough. I was the first name called in gaming, in games. I hugged the vice president when she called me into her office. I already knew what it was about. Everybody knew it was Black Wednesday or whatever. I was ecstatic. And what they did was give me severance Mm -hmm. and time to look back on 25 years. Now, again, I was in the weeds just doing what I do, going to work every day. And on top of that... I met a girl. I got married. I bought a house. I had kids. I moved. I changed jobs. Life was happening. Now everything cleared up. It was like, I went from, I'm not happy here. I'm going to go back to the advertising agency business To I don't have to decide anything right this second. So it gave me a chance to look back on those 25 years. And where I netted out was I have had every, I've have experience in doing everything in marketing, whether it's concepting a new product based on a consumer insight to getting it made, executing the marketing plan, writing the commercial and having to act in the commercial. I've had to do all those things, but so have a lot of other people. But when I started to look at it sort of from a a bird's eye perspective, so to speak, what I saw was the commonality, the red thread through that entire career was my understanding of an audience. Whether it was written word or presenting in front of 10,000 people, I understood how to connect the audience to our idea, bring them through the importance in the right order and get them to the decision point. So that is what I took the time to develop when I decided to, I don't wanna go back to that world. I was 45 and I'm 49 now. I don't wanna go back to that existence anymore. I have an opportunity to help businesses in a different way. And what that has become is showing businesses the right way, and the one way to talk about themselves to their audience going got right it. off to that idea of a hundred percent is important to them. 5% is important to the audience. If you have someone who knows the 5%, why not give it to them?
0: Yep. So yeah. Yeah, you- no, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. And I've got, I've got, a couple of questions on my mind, but the question that I, I ask a lot of people, I'm very excited to ask you, even after just, just meeting you a few weeks ago and talking a, a couple of times, I feel like you're going to have some good stories to tell. So I want to hear the coolest or most interesting or most fun thing that, that you've gotten to take part in over your career. I'm sure you have many stories, but pick one or two and talk about them a little bit.
1: All right, I'll, I'll give you two. One is from my days at Hasbro, and one is from my days back in the agency world. When I was at Hasbro, I worked on the Jurassic World business, meaning the movie that came out when they re- mm-hmm. rebooted the franchise in 2015, starring Chris Pratt. And in the movie is featured a big white dinosaur. I named that dinosaur one day while I was working at Hasbro. I get to tell people oh. named a dinosaur in the movie Jurassic World and the way it came about is fascinating one day we now i'm not i'm this is one day out of 14 months that stands out to me in my stint (laughs) on. sure but we get a call from our pr department saying you have to look up what they named what the studio named the dinosaur initially um what they named the dinosaur in the movie it's diabolus rex so we look up diabolus rex and the only image that filled our google image search was the outgoing president of the church of satan (laughs) went by that name and i mean this is if you were to look up that name now on google you'd see sketches of a dinosaur and this guy's face in the matrix but this his face was the only thing that showed up so immediately we call the studio and we say listen you can't name it that We're selling, it's not just us. It's all of your licensees that are kid targeted are selling to four-year-olds and their moms. They can't go look up Diabolus Rex and see this. So they say, can you help us come up with a new name? Now, what I heard was you guys need to figure out a new name. It's up to you. Like if we're going to change it, give us something good. So I'm off and running. I open up a Latin dictionary on the laptop and I write 20 words that look cool next to rex i go back <laughs> and find them after that and rex or Diabolus, excuse me in um the word indominus means roughly translated indomitable or unconquerable now i'm sorry if it's spoiling a movie from six years ago but the dinosaur dies in the end the bad guy gets his in the end so I put together an eight page presentation that I am just ditty to pitch. I'm like, I'm going to convince them to use the <laughs> name Dominus Rex based on the idea of foreshadowing and irony. Like they name him that and then he get the, you know, he's conquered in the end. I put it together three hours later, we're back on the phone with them. And there's two people from licensing. There's a VP of marketing and a script writer. I'm reading it as game on. This is going to be fantastic. All right, we're here. What do you got? I immediately go into, all right, we we looked into this, and the name we recommend is Indominus Rex. They go, oh, great, perfect. Can you send it over? We got to run. Thanks, (laughs) Kyle. And that was the abrupt end of the conversation. What I failed to realize is they just needed to replace the name so they didn't irritate the the licensees and piss off the licensees. (laughs) And they probably would have named it Joe Rex as long as it wasn't going to upset them. But sure. just a moment in time where I got to name a dinosaur. That was pretty cool.
0: Well, it would have been cool if you named the dinosaur Joe Rex after me, you know, before exactly. you knew me. That would have been exactly. nice of you. As far as this All rest. right. So uh, there you go.
1: <laughs> the other one is from my uh, more youthful, uh, less responsible years. And this is probably 2001 two, something like that. I worked for an agency in Boston and one of our clients was a new computer concept that was targeting teens and the long story short, it never made it out of the gates, but they were promoting it for investor reasons and that kind of stuff. And we were helping them with it. So we did a launch at a convention. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a digital Digicon type of thing convention in New York city. And they wanted a cool concept. So the concept I came up with was uh, like a cool night, small nightclub with a DJ. And the back room, like the VIP room, is where they were conducting their B2B meetings. (laughs) And then for two hours at this 10-hour show, I hired former hip-hop artist turned extraordinary DJ, Biz Marquis the late day <laughs> yeah to stay for like an hour and a half at the booth and he comes in it's just i spent the entire day with him but the front end just getting him to the convention center was driving around with his team to go pick him up over by penn station and he just walks so slow and <laughs> just like what's mike hey mike and I, I'm like, <laughs> I, his marquee was unbelievable so we have all this set up and in the meantime we had orchestrated an after party at, at a cool hit, uh, club called lot 61 which was located in uh the, the west side very well a very cool club very popular three hours before the end of the convention i get a call that they were double booked and the owner took the other person at lot 61. <laughs> so now i'm panicked and i What ultimately ended up happening was brilliant. We had them, we put up a red rope outside of the original club because we didn't have time to tell these hundred people not to show up. Velvet rope, red carpet, a beautiful woman holding a clipboard. They'd get in line, she'd put them into a stretch limo and send them 13 blocks south to the new location. (laughs) But when I first got the news, I hang up the cell phone and I'm in the VIP room area where biz had already done his set. He's in there with his, his, um, his manager and I come in and I sit down and this was the advice I get. Yo, what's wrong? Mike said, biz, you're not going to believe what happened. And I tell him what happened. He goes, yo, Mike, don't sweat it. New place. You just make sure the waitress got big
0: tatas. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know that Bismarck is Bismarcky yeah, off, offline it. as well.
1: At the time, I'm like, "Are you kidding me? That's not helpful." Um, we ended up pulling <laughs> off. He was DJing at the club too. He got the word out. People like it worked out great. Uh, That's but funny. It was just a ridiculous occurrence where it's like spending. Fourteen hours, it, most of it in an SUV with Bismarcky, and he's like, "Yo, pull over! I want to check out the new AT and T phone." And I'm going to the convention center, <laughs> and it just culminated in that advice, which I thought was just the the icing on the cake, so to speak, the cherry on top of the day.
0: That is awesome. Thank you for, I knew you'd have good stories. I knew you would have good stories. Thank you for sharing. Um, That's how you lead up to a great career of owning your new business is your own business is hanging out with Bismarcky and naming dinosaurs. I mean, his name's biz. Right. Biz. Biz. Business. All right. So back, back to the regularly scheduled programming, I guess. Um, I've got, I want to know. So like back to kind of like what you do with this kind of, you know, sussing things out and making it simple and digestible to, to the market. What do you feel like the, let's take, let's use our business as example here at Fjordge. We're now 70 people, but a couple of years ago, we were much smaller. What kind of challenges do you feel like folks in that size range have about kind of this, this marketing, this, this, this simplicity of what you do? What's their biggest challenge?
1: Well, the first challenge is understanding the internal perspective of business. Okay. Uh, I'll use the phrase, there's no business without show business, meaning no matter what business you're, you're in, you're playing a role effectively. You don't think that way in the outside world. And I'll give you a couple examples. Like first language, the words ideate and synergize are not words that come up over a cup of coffee between two old friends from college. They are words that are used in business. KPI, you know what key performance indicators is, right? Everybody says, what are KPIs? All right, well, you and I are friends. We get together for a drink one Friday after work, and I say, I got to run. I got to take my son to basketball tomorrow morning. Good to see you, Joe. So what are your KPIs this weekend? I'd never say that to you. I'd say, what are you doing this weekend? (laughs) Sure. And a (laughs) lot of it has practical origin, Joe think of the term sas s-a-a-s yep it's a heavily heavily marketed term Yep, but the origin of the term thinking um pragmatically right all it's doing is saving people in the business having to type out software as a service in email yep it is a time-saving device so Why do businesses think we're just going to use that as the term that we're going to use to sell out what we do? What if somebody doesn't know what SaaS means, but they do need a solution that like that, that's taking some liberties from an internal business thinking perspective, Mm -hmm. humans don't think that way. And if you're talking to in writing or in person, a consumer or a B2B target they process every bit of information like a human being. So let's take a resume as an example for this. A resume, the average time spent reading one by employers is to five to seven seconds. In that five to seven seconds, they consume the first, say, sentence up top, like that intro paragraph maybe or whatever somebody has at the top. But the important thing to realize is in that five to seven seconds, they're not wearing a business hat. What they're looking at is words another human being wrote, and if it intrigues them enough to read further down the page, that's it. If they do read down the page, their business hat is on. But the competitive set at that point is, I'm a copywriter, I'm a copywriter, I'm a copywriter, I'm a copywriter. I bring images to life with my words. I'm a copywriter, I'm a copywriter. Which one sounds different in that moment? That's what they're reacting to. Sure. So apply that to how an audience thinks and continue that line of thought. What stands out to them is one of three things. First, best, or different. That's it. First and best, tough to come by. Different is not. Different is understanding that if everybody is out there saying the same thing and you connect with them differently in their point of need, at their time of need and in their point of looking, they're going to look at you. And the next step to understand is when they do look at you if all they see is services again you look just like everyone else again so how do you get your audience's attention and take them through the value of your solution and get them to the benefits and make a decision on their terms and in an order that they understand it's like a book if you write a book and i give you page 12 you know what page 12 means but Mm -hmm. pages 1 through 11 were written by you you have context an audience doesn't. They sure. don't have all context. so you have to give them the pages in order. Effectively, the business sees it one way because everything's important. They're thinking, especially the target we're talking about, smaller businesses, they do not have departments to manage everything, which means the leader is ultimately responsible for making sure all this stuff gets done. And all of that clouds the waters for what do we need to say to party A to get them to make purchase B.
0: Sure. Hmm. And can I go a little outside the bounds here and say that maybe you could give an example of this process, or maybe we could come up with an example and you could apply this pretty quickly? Is that something we can do in a couple minutes? Absolutely. All right. Um, what do you need? What do you need first from me?
1: Well, the first thing I want to explain is the order of information. Okay. So I use a very simple and quick Architecture for how to organize a sequence of what the audience needs to know in order. Mm-hmm. And it's predicated on answering questions. Sure. Those questions are asked by your audience and they sound one sided. It sounds like this. So, what do you do? Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. And how do you help them? How does that work? What do they experience? How are they better off afterwards? What are the benefits? Can you prove it works? Have you done this before? You know what? Yeah, let's set up a meeting. That is the order of information that somebody would need to like connect get their attention, show them who you help, give them a simple solution, show them how you solve the problem, the experiences during that solution or services, the benefits of how they're better off afterwards relates to the challenge they were having, and then the seventh the you know seventh piece validation prove it works. They're just about there, they just want to see a second opinion. And then a call to action, what do you want me to do next? That is the structure that I base it on. So when I'm speaking to a client or even a group in a networking event, I will ask after explaining it, I'll ask people, okay, tell me what you do. And especially in a networking event, they're pre-programmed to give me their elevator pitch. And what you'll notice probably from now on is if you're in a networking event, pay attention to how many people start their elevator pitch in the first five to seven seconds with literally and functionally what they do. I'm an accountant. I own a PR firm. I'm a real estate agent. You are going to remember that person's name and real estate agent at best. You won't remember anything else they say, but more importantly, see how many people in the group start that way. And I'm willing to bet it's about 90%. Sure. That all looks alike. So, what I do is have them give me that pitch, and then I restructure it based on how I'm thinking in terms of that order of information. I restructure it and give it back to them. So, what we can do is you give me an elevator pitch of any sort, or even a profession, if you want to say what you do and who you serve. Yeah. And I'll give you my thoughts on what an audience needs to hear to get their attention on it.
0: Yeah. Let's try let's, Can we do myself and sure. my team or, or whatever it is? Does that work?
1: Yeah. I'll just bill you after the podcast is over.
0: That's that's no problem. And then I'll bill you <laughs> back for the podcast <laughs> and then we'll be even good deal. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Um, so I guess I would say I'm Joe Barsness. I do. Um, I'm, uh, you know, work in the business sales side and our, our company, is Fiorge. And our focus is we sell web development services, mostly to creative agencies. I, I know that wasn't my actual pitch. I'm just giving oh, you the right. like the, the technical information.
1: Yep. And it's, um, I'm sorry, just say what services to creative agencies.
0: So we sell web development services to creative agencies.
1: Okay, and give me a case, uh, like a, a creative agency needs you to do what for them?
0: Yeah, let's give an example. Um, uh, The Mall of America, huge mall in Minnesota where we are in Minneapolis. And um, we did the the coding of the website, but an agency in the Twin Cities did the design and the marketing aspect of it.
1: Got it. So... From my perspective, you've got an agency that can come up with beautiful visuals, but they don't know how to bring it to life in a modern day environment. If you went back to Mad Men, it would be simple, right? It's going to be a post or a newspaper ad. Dynamics have changed. And with that, there's been specialization, meaning let's take a creative person and a programmer. There is no way that they have the same personality. Does that make sense? (laughs) Right.
0: 100%
1: so you've got this dichotomy of what's needed no longer aligns like instead of uh instead of a prince a typesetter at a print house which thinks the exact same way as a creative agency does i mean as a web programmer does for a creative agency now a creative agency never set their own type right they would reach out to the scientific specialists right so the first thing i'm i want to know is mall of america If you want that, if you want that site to represent, if you want that visual experience to come to life, welcome to our world of ones and zeros. Right. That's what I would say. I love it. Because your image can be the most powerful thing in the world, but if it doesn't live up to what a customer's expectation is of what a place like Mall of America, should represent online, it cheapens your brand. And it's all ones and zeros in the background. We know how to do it. You don't.
0: Right. I love it. <laughs> it's a, like it's, it, you <laughs> do some good work quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm smiling ear to ear. I, I genuinely. I, you, I, it's,
1: an, it's an intriguing. Uh, I hear 5% of what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm sitting as the audience and I'm thinking about what is Mall of America expecting of their agency? They are expecting that this thing hums and it's sophisticated and gives people a reason to come to a mall the size of a city, especially after COVID. Yep. So what does that site need to do? It needs to operate perfectly and engage people. Yep. And I don't know any creative agency that can pull that off without your help.
0: Yep. So there you there go. You go. Works. Love it. I'm going to use that and then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about all my success. So, Perfect. but thanks for, thanks for doing that, Mike. And uh, unfortunately, although I want to keep talking to you, uh, that's all the time we have for today on mind your own marketing business. Thank you so much for doing this, Mike. What is the best way for people to find you?
1: Well, first off, thank you for having me. I love these opportunities to talk about what I do and how I think. And uh, I'm sure my clients don't appreciate me doing it to them all the time. So I never say (laughs) I'm always very grateful for someone handing me a microphone. The easiest two ways to get in touch with me. One is on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all of the time. Just look up Mike Verrett, V-E-R-R-E-T. And the other way is just my uh, website. You can find out more about me there as well it's uh ww i don't need to say that part i suppose it's verette and associates dot com and perfect i am uh on monday launching it available at the website will be my newly launched course titled elevator pitch repair manual or course your elevator is out of order and uh, the idea being getting people to think this way and being able to do it themselves in a virtual product. So you'll find that there, too, if you're interested.
0: And by the time anybody is listening to this, I'm sure it's already there because it won't be by Monday when we get this out, but it'll be in a, in a <laughs> week or so. So as you're listening to this, go there now. It'll be there. Um yeah. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. You can download episodes of our program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mind your own marketing business or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thank you again so much, Mike. Appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you. And I had a blast.